Thanks again to everyone supporting us on the podcast through Patreon. Patreon allows our listeners an opportunity to contribute to the podcast and allow us to bring you great guests and content each week. Thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to Jonathan Lambert for being our largest donor. You too can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash mentors, the number four M-I-L. This podcast is sponsored by Uncanna, trusted natural solutions. Uncanna is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncanna team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncanna is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code mentors the number four MIL at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military Disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. The Mentors for Military Podcast. So, Sean, let's dive into you, man. I'm, I'm glad you, you know, we finally got this thing together and you came on the show. We've actually been following one another, I want to say, on Instagram for, what was it, been a little over a year, maybe a, maybe even a couple years. I love a lot of the stuff that you do, especially some of the mentoring and advice that you give on your stories and, and on your page on social media. And I know you have a YouTube page, but I uh, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, man, and joining us here on the Mentors for Military podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. What, you joined the, the Navy, I guess it was in around 2000 at 18 years old, right out of high school? Yeah, yeah 2001, I, I joined uh, right after right after high school. Like about a, I think a month or month and a half after graduation, I didn't want to mess around and and uh, yeah, did boot camp and then just went straight to buds. Well, I did a school too, but uh, were you in a school at nine eleven or buds at that time frame? I actually was just getting out of the, uh, surgery. Uh, I had a hernia in boot camp that I went all the way through with. And uh, holy cow! I was scared to tell anybody because I thought I was going to lose my damn contract. Oh my <laughs> so, I just, so I just said the hell with it. And then at the end, it was sticking. I mean, it was it was a uh, what in my groin? Yeah, inguinal. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And I would then. Yeah, I was like, um, well, you know, I, I should probably tell somebody. So I did, and they were like, "You're an idiot." And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, one under the knife a couple days later but um did they find yeah did they find out it uh anything at uh i guess not at the maps it was something that you had coming into the military or was it something that you you i mean typically those are the types of things you're born with i believe yeah i don't know you know i don't know where it came from i didn't feel it but uh you know i got real sick like the first week of uh boot camp and yeah. i had this real bad cough and it just came out and i was like oh i'm just gonna pretend like that never happened <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh. yeah. Wait, was it like torsions 
Uh, it, I don't. I don't remember the. Uh, I don't remember uh, like the uh, Eric's what the full anatomy. Team Joe. that uh, they, they uh, his cojones uh, flipped sides uh, one day when he was running, I guess, and ended up with torsions and had a hernia. I think it was like when we were in OIF six back in two thousand eight. Yeah, um, and we had to send him home. Oh no, it wasn't. I, it was sticking out, but it wasn't going down there. It was sticking. Yeah, you know, uh, out. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> but, uh, so, how long did you have to recover? I guess they did like the the typical, like now orthoscopic and everything, uh, laser surgery, rather than have to do the full, you know, knife cut. I'm taking it. Is that? Nah, that was they did the full knife cut. Oh. I've had two of them, but um, I, I think that one took about two months to recover. So, yeah, so you got up. the whole mesh in there and everything then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a hard recovery. I actually had one of those as well, and but I want to say it was like about yeah two to three months, and then as far as you know, you have to basically sit around all the damn time. So by the time you start working out and getting yourself back into shape, you're looking at another two months or so to get back into you know good form again and stuff for you to proceed on after going through uh, boot camp. Yeah, well, you know, I was 18, so. It was <laughs> it was pretty quick recovery, but um, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. So so how was it then that you ended up going to Buzz? Was it something you signed up for initially, or was it something that you picked up while you were in A school? Because I didn't think that you uh, could do it straight out of high school. Nah, back back then they had uh, the Seal Challenge program, and um, I was originally going to be I, I wanted to go into the Marine Corps, and uh, they they weren't going to let me going to recon and then i you know i tried the army for uh sf and rangers and they told me to pound sand and then really yeah the navy recruiter uh poked his head out and said hey you know have you ever thought about being a seal and i was like what the hell is that so he gave me a a pamphlet i went home and read it and I uh, went to the library, and that was the rest is history, man. So that yeah, I got the uh, I just got the contract. I told them I wasn't gonna sign or go unless I got it, and uh, so yeah, they just it wasn't hard to get. You just got to pass the PT test, and they handed out like candy back then. So you know, like, here you are, Bud's contract and everything, uh, or at least it's in your contract. You're about ready to go off the Bud's. What was the whole experience like? And because I'm very curious, you know, not everybody gets a chance to to pass on the first go around. So p- tell me, did you pass on the first go around, or were? Oh no, no, no! I okay. didn't pass right. on the first go around. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, being that young, it was pretty intimidating. I think I was the second youngest guy in the class. I think there was there was over two hundred something guys when I started, and um, you know, it was post nine eleven, not too far past it but um there were guys you know there were uh there were marines that had already been you know over to the show and in theater and back and you know right where i'm at and that you know that shit's intimidating and yeah i mean we had uh one guy that was like an olympic boxer and he was just jack diesel and i'm here i am like 140 soaking wet <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and uh yeah i saw a lot of those guys quit and uh some of them were the class before me when i showed up 
uh, class two, three, nine was just getting ready to go into hell week. And, um, they had a, they had a rough cold hell week. And, uh, I saw a lot of those guys drop out and I was like, Oh shit, man. If that guy, like, yeah, if that guy didn't do it, I'm then, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's not happening, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then, uh, and then we classed up and our, our OIC was, um, I think he came from first bat, I think. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was a lot of solid guys in there. He wound up making it, but, but, uh, yeah, you know, you just never know who the hell is going to be standing next to you at the end. But that's a, um, that's a classic, uh, example right there of just having, you know, when people always think about going through buds and everything else, and we get a lot of requests, I'm sure you do too. A lot of, uh, dms and stuff about what do i need to do to prepare how can i you know get ready for it here you are 140 pounds soaking wet guy just you know had a hernia the whole bit and you're entering buds and sure you end up you know having some struggles most guys do when they go through that uh, but you were resilient and you stuck with it and here you had these other guys that were right next to you that looked like bodybuilders and you know rough guys guys that like you said it just came back from theater and some of those guys were washed out and and that's yeah. a message that a lot of guys don't hear. You know, it, it, what they yep. hear more of is, no, I got to get buffed up. I got to get ready. And in some cases, um, there's a lot of mental to this as much as there is physical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The You know, it's funny, too, because, I mean, I, I don't know what advice you guys give, but it, it gets to the point where it's just like, man, you just got to just go sign the papers, man, and just yeah. do it. That's what we like, tell them. Yep, absolutely. They, they ask us, how far do I have to run? Well, just run. Just just learn yeah. how to run. <laughs> run well. Yeah. All, all how, the way. Yeah. All what, the way. What, <laughs> exactly. What, what about rucking? Uh, just just ruck. Ruck, ruck, ruck. You know, just in, until you hurt. And when you hurt, do it more. You know, and it's just, yeah, just... There's, there's not like some magic potion here necessarily, you know, I mean, like I think Mike, uh, I mean, Eric, you threw out the day, um, you know, try to get your miles down to a six and a half, seven minute mile, stuff like that. But, you know, typically the advice we give is yeah. just, just keep working hard at it. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, that was, those were goals that I had and set because that, I mean, as long as it was, and I, I keep forgetting to mention to everybody, it's always about consistency. And I, I'm sure you saw that Sean with regards to like, everything was, you know, if you, you were first, you know, most of the time you better be first all of the time or whatever. Or if you were in the middle of the pack, most of the time you better be in the middle of the pack, but you better never be last. Yeah. Yep. I would definitely agree with that. And if you're first, then you better have your ass back there helping the guy that's going to be yep. last. Otherwise, uh, you know, every, everybody knows, yeah. you know, you're, you're out there, you're over there gloating. It's not, it's not going to end well for you. So, which I, I never had to worry about that because I was never first. But, uh, <laughs> but You weren't the last guy, too, though, right, that they were carrying for. <laughs> I wasn't the last. But, well, the, swimming, the swimming I was pretty close. But uh, was it one time that you had to recycle, or how many times did you end up having to recycle through this thing? Uh, one time. Okay. Was it after the, uh, the swim? Because you were just mentioning that. so It was um, – this is actually pretty embarrassing, but uh, I'll go ahead. I failed the first phase exam. I had a uh, an issue with uh, spending a little too much time at SDSU, chasing some women around, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I didn't study. 
And, uh, yeah, so I failed it. And, you know, I had that uh, cocky attitude. Oh, I made it through Hell Week, whatever. It's pretty much over at this point. Nobody will kick me out. And uh, that was wrong. Crash and burn. (laughs) Crash and burn. (laughs) Back to one one day, man. Oh, God. That had to have sucked, though. But it was a yeah, dose was, of reality for an 18-year-old. No, but that, that's like a dose of reality for somebody 18 who's like, okay, hey, you know, I got the whole world in front of me. I can do this. And then it's like, uh, no, no, you, you don't have this. Yeah, it was a big – I was going to quit. I was like, man, I don't want to do this shit again. And uh, my roommate was like, don't you fucking leave me. And um, so I was like, all right, what the hell, Let's let's do it again. And then – and then we got lucky, and they pulled us out of Hell Week, uh, like an hour or two into the next one. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but we did did everything else all over again. So that had to. So how suck. many weeks into that were you? Uh, I think each phase is about. Man, it's been a long time, but I think each phase is about two months. So eight weeks in. Eight, nine weeks yeah. in. Yeah. That's, that's way worse than being a 21-day non-select. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> Bud's is like two years long, right? Well, for me, it is. No. <laughs> but uh, no. For, some, <laughs> for some people. It's a tour of duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some guys spend an entire list enlistment there. So what happened to you once you get out of you know your Bud's and everything and you head off to a SEAL team? I understand you went off to SEAL team two first, right? I actually I went to eight and then um, okay, and then they had that whole surge thing going on where everybody needed to deploy two more platoons or another task unit. So I got pushed over to two, and um, <clears throat> but anyways, it, I didn't have that. Uh, my guys, my uh, platoon, they didn't do the typical pull our birds off, throw them in the bird cage, and uh, haze the shit out of us. They waited until uh, we got cocky, and then they ah. just knocked the shit out of us. So, <laughs> which, which once again, I was the first oh. one to do it. Oh, so, I knew this was yeah. going somewhere. So, so do <laughs> but, tell. Uh, you know, we got um, we were doing uh, a J set down in Panama with uh, I think it was third group. Yeah, and there it was back when um, we pulled. I we didn't do it, but uh, I think it was Damnack pulled Aristide out of Powered in Haiti, and then they needed to. Uh, we were in sit, so we got called up and went over there, and it wasn't anything crazy. We were just flying around doing aerial recons and shit like that. But it was I was like the first guy out of my buds class to do like the first real world, you know, fucking operation, and oh, yeah. um, and. So, you know, I started getting cocky and, and, uh, you know, we were, we were staying at the air hangar and, and Gitmo. And I woke up one night with my entire platoon minus the other new guys just surrounded my cot. And, uh, you know, I got a nice working over right there and then didn't learn from that. Then, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> took it, took it again. And, uh, messing around on the zodiacs and and uh just started taking some fists to the head and wound up in the water and they drowned me and that that was it then i shut my mouth and and uh 
everything was good to go. <laughs> so I learned you, boy. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. I showed up to the team. I'm like, just beat me. Just get it over with today. And it's it's worse when they drag it out for six or seven months. Yeah, you know, they didn't. They didn't. They actually made this. Uh, our first trip was Lamb Warfare, and they kind of like it was the same platoon that I jumped in, and uh, you know, it was all the same guys from the last platoon. Just a couple of us new guys. A speech saying like that they don't agree with hazing, and you know, they were hung upside down, naked in the elevator shaft with simunition flying at them, and they're not going to do that, and. I was like, oh, man, that's fucking embarrassing. I'm not going to get hazed, you know, and um, <laughs> but I was like, well, you wait, I guess I'm not going to get hazed. And then I, it took like damn near. I think it was a good six, seven, eight months, maybe before anybody got tuned up for the first time. And then, uh, you know, when it rains, it pours. So you knew yeah, it was coming. Just wait until your dad gets home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to admit this, but when I was a an LPO, we were out at Nylon doing our land warfare. I don't know what what about land warfare brings out the worst in team guys, but maybe it's because you're out there in the desert all by yourself. But uh, we we had some new guys who went on to be very successful team guys, and uh, he carried around a mylar balloon all day long that said, "I'm too tough to get hazed by my platoon." <laughs> so, so the problem is he he knew it was coming for like a day and a half. <laughs> he just didn't know when it was coming. So I think the anticipation is the worst part. Like, just, we can take it. We're, we're all tough guys. Just just beat me and get it over Fact. with. I really thought I wasn't going to get it. Like, I, they, had, they had fooled all of us, you know? I was like, well, shit, I guess it's just not going to happen. And then uh, and then it did. And then you woke so, up. Yeah. Then- yep. <laughs> woke just up takes, to the sound of rigor's tape. Just takes a couple <laughs> drinks. Yep. Oh, uh, God. Okay, so... You were in SEAL Team 8, and then you went over to 2. So you weren't in 8 for very long, and you ended up staying in SEAL Team 2, I guess it was, for the rest of your service time, which was uh, till 2006? November 2006. Okay. I punched out. Yeah. So. And and once you got out and everything, tell us a little bit about that whole transition, because I can tell you that uh, many of us had our own struggles and stuff after we got off of active duty did you take some time to to really decompress and find yourself and everything? Or was it a little bit more of, oh, shit, I'm not prepared and I've got to figure out now what to do? Man, you know, when I got out, I mean, I was very young, you know, so there was none of this, uh, you know, um, PTSD or transitioning or any of that kind of shit. You know, it was just get out. And um, <clears throat> so which was a really, it was a hard decision for me to make. And uh, I spent a lot of time in front of the Master Chief's desk, getting ready to re-enlist. And then I was like, ah, you know, I, I got to at least try it. And then I'll just come back if it doesn't work out. But um, I wound up punching out. And, uh, you know, I was scared shitless. But <clears throat> I got out. I became a real estate agent right off the bat because I I was reading all these business books when I was sitting on my ass overseas and it inspired me to be a businessman. And, um, you know, that was Oh six. That was when the housing market, you know, all across the country was just going crazy. And I, yeah, yeah. 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 That was right before the bubble. Yeah. Yep. And I bought a condo and, uh, you know, I made some pretty decent money on it in, in Virginia beach and 
like right at two years. And um, so I was like, oh, well, this shit's easy. Yeah. I'm just going to flip houses and I'll become <laughs> a real estate agent. And, uh, you know, that way I can make a commission as I'm buying them. And, and then everything just crashed. And um, now you say the two years. Now, the two years was so that you could live there without having to pay the capital gains and everything, right? Uh, is that yep. The, yep. <clears throat> yep. So you were right at that point, and that's when the bubble busted. Yep. Exactly. And uh, like I said, none of this, none of the transitioning stuff or anything was out. So I didn't, you know, I feel like now yeah. guys kind of have a little bit of a warning like, hey, dude, like, it's not like, uh, it's not like how it was. And um, <clears throat> so I was just out there figuring it out on my own. And, um, you know, the, the the quick temper and, you know, all that kind of stuff that no goes way. with it. Yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember driving around with a client and I was too cheap to get a damn uh, one of the back then it was the Tom Toms, you know, that you put in the car. Yes, I had one of those. <laughs> I was too cheap to get one of those. So I would print off like 50 pages of MapQuest and then I would get pissed <laughs> off <laughs> when they couldn't read the fucking map. And uh, so I'm sitting here yelling at my clients like, well. Are we going right or are we going left? What the, you know, like, and we'd get in a, in a house and I'd get bored and, and, you know, I'd be like, hey, are you guys going to buy this place or what? And um, <laughs> so you, you can imagine that was pretty short lived. So then I, I was like, well, this is just, just, just I, this isn't for me. And um, so then I started a, I went to school, you know, went back to school for a little bit and, that wasn't working well for me either. There, you know, I'd had, I'd come back, and my last trip was in Iraq, and uh, just got out right after that. And um, so I went to a community college, St. Louis Community College, and and there's kids in there, you know, that are they still think they're funny shooting spit wads and shit like that, and I'm trying to <laughs> you know, make good oh, grades. Man. Wound up yanking a kid out of speech class by his ear out in the hallway, and that went over like a fart in church. So, uh, jumped in. Then I got into a fire academy, and um, that I wasn't going to like that either uh, because everybody was trying to measure up to me and, and to include the, the uh, instructors. Mm. And, and, um, you know, they would try to measure up to me. And then I, I remember like kind of like my last straw was there was this this kid that like he got scared halfway up the ladder and, and they had to go up and walk him down. And I was like, Are you, this isn't me, you know, I just and And at that time, I had had my name in the hat for the agency. A buddy of mine called me for um, for the age, the contract over at the agency. And I didn't know what it was. And he, he just. I'd seen the Blackwater guys when I was, you know, deployed <clears throat> and didn't want anything to do with it. Never wanted to contract. I was like, don't even call me, man. I don't want to do this shit. I, I've seen those guys, I've seen how they act. I see them at the bars in Virginia Beach when we come home and they're acting, you know, like team guys. And and uh, he's like, ah, you know, this one's a little different. You might want to give it a give it a try. And the, the, the quals are a little bit stiffer and the background of requirements a little higher and. And uh, the pay's real nice. And so I said, what What the hell? Here's my resume. You know, let's, I'll give it a try. So I did. And uh, 
So at that point there, you're about, what, 24, 25 years old still? Uh, I think when I started contracting, yeah, I was probably 25, 26. Yeah, that's that's still young. I mean, you still yeah, got your is. whole life ahead of you at that point. You're yeah. so much better than me, Sean. I'm not even sure I had a checking account by then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure I had direct deposit at that age. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that the agency is actually wanting you at 25 years of age. Now, that's that's really good. It was, uh, I mean, it was, yeah, you know, I was just used to being the youngest guy at every everywhere I went, it seemed like. And uh, and then, but, I mean, it was it was cool. Yeah, how, so, how long did you end up staying with them? Uh, I was off, off and on with them for about nine years. Okay. I actually lost track of how many deployments i did with them but they you know they weren't the typical soft six month year deployments they were just you know uh, they could be as short as 45 days or they could be as long as you know right right about 120 days is about the cut where they make you go home it's like 20 something yeah so so many guys end up coming off active duty and following that route right off the bat just because they don't know what else to do you know, they end up going into a situation where they're not prepared for that transition. And the only thing, I wouldn't say the only thing, but the thing that seems most comfortable is the contract side of it. You know, especially yeah. if you come from the soft community. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's it's kind of sad, man, to be honest with you, because it's a very, I, I had a lot of good times, but being, it, I don't know if you guys have contracted or not, but it's a, it's a very like toxic environment when when you get over there weird as it sounds that's where i grew up was doing that and and uh like you know you throw all these guys from these you know top tier units into one space and it just doesn't you know it just doesn't go good ever <laughs> so and uh you know it's, it's all too that, like that does that it like i know the worst out of them it does, man. And I mean, you'd think like we'd all get along, but then you think, you think about, well, I mean, you just throw a whole bunch of alpha males into an arena and yep. from different, you know, the same background, but different backgrounds. And um, yeah, it just, it doesn't go good, you know, and that gets very clicky and everybody wants their own in charge and it's just it turns yeah. into turns into a mess i don't know i i, I think it only I, works you bring that oh go ahead yeah i was gonna say i think it works in the military because we're all still in uniform so even though we have to be joint work with each other we we can still go back to our own little castled you know pillar of excellence i think patty called it we can, we can go back to our safe haven and, and regroup but uh when you take off the uniform and you get thrown together it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, it is. And and uh, it's all, unless it's the retired guys were a lot more mature and they didn't really fall into that shit. But um, the anybody younger, I, every time it just turns into, you know, same shit everywhere you go, no matter what station you're at. And, um, you know, that I fell into that at the beginning and then I, but I saw through it real quick. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, it seems Thanks. like that's a long time then to kind of deal with that situation as well. I mean, you spent quite a bit of time 
having to deal with that environment, but you also grew from it, like you said, and learned a lot out of it because I think we end up learning so much more, at least I found I learned so much more from the worst leaders, the worst environments that I was placed in, as opposed to the easy ride or the easy assignments and everything else, because the hard times and the hard leaders and everything that screwed up gave me the best advice of what not to do when I became yeah. a leader, you know? Yeah. Love how that Very works. true. Yeah. And so you ended up having some success, as you said, and some struggles. Uh, did that primarily come then after the agency or was it both through the agency and then after the agency? Yeah. You know, that had started about the last couple of years I was in the agency mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that's really when I started noticing, like, I couldn't sleep, and I realized it was it was a major problem, and um, my alcoholism was getting real bad, and you know the sleep meds, and and uh, you know you're just chasing the dragon tail, and then <clears throat> when I left the agency, you know I had nothing. And, um, and then it got real bad. I started going down to Columbia a lot and, um, you know, I was looking for that adrenaline Mm -hmm. and, um, I didn't know where to find it. So I started going down there more and more and, and, um, I wound up just pretty much losing myself down there and, uh, something had happened and, uh, I had to hightail out of there. And I never went back, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but, um, I had kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like let's SDR to the airport and get the fuck out of here now. Yeah. But, uh, but that uh, sounds like, uh, you, you stabbed you him didn't see anything. <laughs> but, uh, I got home and I'd saw like, um, that I had pretty much destroyed all of my family relationships. Um, I had pretty much no friends that, um, you know, weren't deploying. And when I would catch the guys that, you know, were still deploying and they would be home, you know, you're right back at it because, you know, they're hitting the bottle. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I started getting some help. And uh, my parents had talked me into it, and I had lied to them several times, like, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting help from this guy over here. And, yeah, I didn't want to get help. And, um, and everybody sees through it, too, man. Yeah, they do. And so and I was on psych, and it, she changed my life, you know. So That's really good. I mean, what we find in some cases, at least out here, is it takes a while to find that right person that they can really seek to get the counsel from. And in some cases, the counselors just don't understand them well enough. So it's great that you actually found that, it sounds like, on the first go-round. Yeah, well, you know, I found her on Google and uh, because I was actually looking for a guy that had, I was looking for somebody that maybe had served in Vietnam or something. Yeah. And they just aren't out there, you know, and I, I had no VA benefits. And, um, so I, so I was like, well, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to a guy. I can't, I can't look at a guy and tell him about my problems if he's never, you know, done it. So I was like, well, it has to be a girl. So I started looking up all these sites on Facebook 
And I'll tell you, man, a lot of psychs are really attractive women, and they're <laughs> fucking crazier than us. I'm living in Boca Raton, Florida. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, well this girl's over here bang, uh, bonging beer bongs on, uh, you know, out in the intercoastal in a bikini. That's this isn't going to go. So I found my psych, and I couldn't find anything about her on the internet, and so. You know, I went in and, and, uh, man, it just went great. Now she's like the damn special operations psych, oh, man. No kidding. Well, a lot of it was probably your referrals and stuff that helped that. Or? Yeah. I, for, well, I was actually right when I got out of the agency about, it wasn't too much longer. I had another friend who was in real, real bad shape. I made him quit. And I was like, hey, man, like, you got to go to, like, rehab. Like, you're going to get somebody fucking killed over there. And um, he listened. And uh, so I I sent him to my psych. And and then he went to rehab. And when he got out, he, he he had no money, you know, nothing. He was living with me. And it was suicide attempt after suicide attempt. And, um... I was just trying to get us some VA medical, you know, to help pay for this shit. Right. And um, I wound up running into a guy that worked for the VA, and he helped me out a lot, get my my claims together and, you know, my my record and my my service record, my medical record, all the kind of shit that you need. And then he referred me to this lady, Peggy Matthews, who wound up getting both of us, you know, 100%. And I had linked, and you know, you guys know how the VA is, oh, yeah. you know, they don't give nope. a shit. So she got, he was the first guy that uh, got a hundred percent and, uh, honest to God, I think that, you know, saved his life. Then I was the second and I had, uh, linked up Peggy Matthews who runs this nonprofit to my doctor and, um, man, like it is like a well-greased machine. And I walked in after she did that. I, I got her like this, uh, seal team plaque saying like, Hey, thank you from, you know, from us. And I'll tell you what, man, you walk in there now and they got, she's got SF plaques. She's got seal team plaques. She's got all of it. And it was when I, when I first walked that door, it was, uh, her college diplomas. And now it's completely full of special operations plaques from all units. And it's just so fucking cool, man. How many, like hundreds of guys she's helped. Five Medal of Honor winners uh, we put through. And and uh, it, it's just been, they're saving a lot of lives, man. So so is this the uh, Veterans Advocacy Services that, that you mentioned on your site? Yes. Yeah, so you're the outreach consultant for that. And so I was going to ask you about that. That's some serious like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, like networking, like to the max there and like really working together. Like that stuff's incredible. I love hearing, you know, that's, that is a good feel good story that like is making waves for people. Cause I mean, I've, I know that we've all probably seen people that are, have dealt with the exact same thing that you've dealt with Sean and the guys that you helped, you know, get them to that help is incredible. Yeah. You you know what, Sean, I was going to say, 
I started thinking about it when you were mentioning whether or not you're going to go to a guy or a girl shrink. And I know this sounds odd, but for those of us who have actually thought about that for whatever degree, like, hey, I need some help, I kind of went through that. But I wonder how many guys out there, you know, we go through this, hey, guy or girl, and especially those of us A-types that are in uh, in soft community, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go talk to a guy unless he's walked a mile in my shoes. Like, I don't even want to hear, and it sounds bad, but, you know, you go through like the, you know, the clergy councils and all the traditional lanes. And I've, I've gone through several, and within like the first sentence, I'm like doing taxes in my head or humming a song or something else. I'm like, you, you're not getting it, man. Yeah. So, I'd, whatever yeah. whatever that is, you know, went through, went through several, and then uh, even talked to uh, yeah, another yeah another another CAG guy who's a mentor to me, uh, a little older, and I really trust him. And I'm like, hey, Mark, you know, is it what am I doing wrong here? I said because I'm just not open to uh, I'm just not open to you know these counseling. And he's like, brother, he goes, I kicked out forty of them. He goes, I won't even let him finish a sentence, and I'm way worse. <laughs> so apparently. Uh, <laughs> It's not a it's not a chick thing. It's not a sexual thing. But uh, if you get a female psych, I've found there it's not a competition. You're not you're not judging backgrounds. You're not wondering where she's from. It's kind of a uh, I guess a, a clean slate. It's not not so judgmental. At least that's what it appears like. I just thought that was an interesting point you brought up. Yeah, I don't know if you know much about Mike about Kat Kalin, but Kat Kalin's been on the, the show. She's one of our hosts and everything, and she's got her bachelor's in psychology and working on her master's right now and one of the things that she had hoped that one day she could do is uh to, to be a part of a program where there is a psychiatrist that's embedded in with the soft community assigned to a team or assigned to you know the regiment or something of that nature that allows that to occur you know more naturally and they feel more comfortable in speaking to somebody also that has suffered themselves through post-traumatic stress. Every team, I don't care what service you're in, they, they should have dedicated psychs and, and not somebody who's just randomly yeah. assigned a team, somebody who understands the background, who's spent some time, you know, overseas. I mean, I think every deploying team should have somebody like that on there and, and they should, they should watch pretty closely what's going on. Now, all the better if it's a female where a guy doesn't feel like he's in competition or, you know, or has to match egos or, or something like that. I don't know. I, I've seen them. I've never seen it not work with the right person. Yeah. Yep. Even if you're not overt, as I've found, you know, when the psych stands up, hey, does anybody want to come see me? It was like, nah, I'm good. But, you know, come when it gets dark, people start slinking around his or her office, you know, and nobody's around. That That's when it happens. That's when the good work gets done. So, Sean, uh, about this time frame, it's around 2015, and I think it was around December of 2015 that you started your company and uh, really came about, as I understand it, from you just kind of really watching TV and all the things that are going on around you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I didn't um, – I had no idea what the hell I wanted to do. And so I started this company kind of as – I, I was I had this great idea where I was just gonna go into all these rich people homes and uh, and set up a, a emergency action plan and um, <laughs> not knowing it not knowing anyone and that failed miserably but um, <clears throat> I, I did like one of them for free for a friend and that was that but um, but what inspired it was uh, you know all the cell phone footage of of Fort Lauderdale and Paris and 
Orlando and and uh, Brussels and uh, there's so many that I I can't put them in yeah in, into well, a timeline. Where nobody's so just, running, but everybody's filming. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And and you do, but you see people running and they're hiding behind, you know, a suitcase or or a mailbox or just running around with nowhere to go. And I just, I was like, holy shit, man. Like people actually really have no idea how to move, how to come up with a game plan on the fly, you know, anything. And so that was my original idea was like, man, somebody has got to like teach these people like what the hell to do or at least, you know, increase their chances of survival. And without the typical, you gotta fight back because you know, you just, most people just don't have that mindset, unfortunately. Yeah. And <clears throat> and um, but you know that didn't work. Nobody, you know, nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. And and I mean, how the hell do you market that anyways, or, or even put it into? I mean, that's a lot of stuff like that writing. we've learned over yeah. an entire career. How do you put it into a curriculum like yeah. that much shit? And I wasn't getting any, I didn't know anybody, you know, I didn't, and, uh, you know, I was a horrible networker, uh, at that time. And so I just started shooting, you know, I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm going to be a tactical trainer. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, I didn't even really want to do it. And, but, you know, I had to find some income somewhere. Yeah. So I was like, well, shit, what does everybody want to see? They want to see guys from spec ops shooting guns and teaching so that's what i did and and i mean it was still hard to get the name out you know it was real hard yeah you know i spent a lot of a lot of time uh brought took i always had guys teaching with me at first and i always put them before me they were they were making money everybody was making money except me and um you know, shit, man, there was times where I'd have a course and I would have a ranger teaching with me and a Marsoc guy teaching with me and and me. And I might only have two students, but I just, I just kept going, you know what? Fuck it, man. I'm going to it's two more people that are getting that word of mouth out. And, you know, I mean, shit, that's better training than we got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for instructors yeah, for two people. One on one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, the problem with that business model, Sean, that I, I have found is that if you'd have done that 15 or 16 years ago, you'd have been wildly successful out the gate. But in that time period, it's not just guys from you from different units or the unit or CAG or wherever, you know, Ranger Regiment. Now you got, you know, a guy spends three years in the Kentucky Guard, has a beard, some tattoos yeah. and, and an M4. And you know what I mean? So you have got to my, really dig. You have to really, precision. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, if you got the look and you do CrossFit, you know, you're, you're going to get customers and it it dilutes, you know, it dilutes the customer base a lot. I mean, I find that a lot. You have to get deep into it before you find out, you know, who, who really has the credentials to be teaching that. Yeah. You know, and even within, within our own community, I mean, there's there's just, it's oversaturated. And so I just looked at what everybody else was doing and I did the complete opposite. And, uh, you know, if you look at who's teaching and the big names all the way down to the the nobodies, 
everybody's acting like a hard ass. Everybody, you know, especially from our community, you know, they lift up their shirt and they got fucking cookie cutter ass and, you know, they got drain pipes coming out of their biceps and and they're screaming and yelling and acting like a fucking maniac out there. And and I was like, man, I'm not going to do that shit. You know, I was, I'm actually going to... And my friend kind of told me, he's like, dude, you can't act like that. He said... Just imagine how fucking scared you were when you went to Bud's and you saw those instructors. He's like, and you're the one that had the balls to go to Bud's. And I was like, shit, that makes a lot of sense. And he's like, just so just think about how scared, you know, a normal civilian who just wants to learn how to use a gun is when you come out. And I was like, shit. So so I started using humor and instead of. Instead of showing my all-protein fish-only diet, I started um, <laughs> taking pictures of fucking candy that I like to eat, and and you know, can we do this? Kidding? Like, like <laughs> yeah, like I like to be a fat ass sometimes, you know. And but really, that's all I did. I started bringing humor into it, and it just really resonated with everyone. So your business and, model um, is basically being the average Joe of tactics. Yep. Worked out. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You know, you don't have to do 20 takes and do a sub-second draw hit. And, you know, I mean, most of us can't even do that shit. You know what I mean? And, uh, so, you know, yeah, right. (laughs) Good luck not fucking that up on a demo, you know, (laughs) but, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, it worked. It worked really good. And, um, and that's that's what really like that's where I really started gaining a lot of momentum. And then I brought it into my social media, and that started gaining a lot of momentum. And then once I uh, kind of breached into YouTube, it just, I mean, this shit just went viral, you know. And it's um, awesome. Yeah. Well, I think you know, with uh, your YouTube and with social media and what you're describing there, is there was a little bit of. Um, I don't know. You had to be vulnerable. You had to put yourself out there. And so the real Sean came out and I think it was exposed and people started embracing it because they saw it was real. It was genuine. It wasn't like you were trying to make something up, but you weren't trying to be the hard S because that's not your profile. That's not who you are in the first place. So it kind of didn't fit the mold of, of what you know you would do anyway. Um, so it sounds like you started being more of yourself. People bought into that because they bought you. And you think about a salesman, it's sometimes it's the salesman and not the product that sells it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, another reason I did that, too, wasn't just uh, for, to capture an audience. It was I, I don't want to have to, you know, I I acted that way in the teams out at bars with with my buddies, you know, or with my teammates. I didn't act like that in the team. And um I was acting like that at the beginning and I got to thinking and I was like, man, this shit is exhausting, man. Like you can't go anywhere (laughs) and not fucking act like this. And I just, I don't want to do that shit. And, um, so I cut it, you know, and I just started being myself and, and, uh, it worked. Yeah. I wonder if I get any Instagram followers, if I just showed my watch at like nine 15 in the morning instead of four. <laughs> probably would with with like a pop tart in my hand and my watch that says nine fifteen. Yeah, that's, that's awesome exactly idea. the kind of shit I used to do, man. 
Yeah. It's uh-huh. exactly what I used to do. I wonder if Jocko would get the hint. Yeah. I, yeah. But... <laughs> only only if it's a black and white photo, Mike. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My chubby hand with my sausage fingers is his nine fifteen. Uh, there should be like some bacon grease or something on oh, him too. Totally. Yeah. Hold like a hold like a McDonald's biscuit in my little plate. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, um, what, what is it? The uh, McMuffin, but not a McMuffin. The uh, the pancake one. Yeah. The McGriddle. The gr- <laughs> hey, if I pull that off, Sean. I'm going to credit you for that. Like, All right. right, credit Sean Ryan. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Then, I'll share then, that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've got. Oh, we're here. bad here. Oh, we're, we're such shitty team guys. We're picking picking on your uh, your bud there, Jocko, Mike. That's right. I'm sure I'll hear about it. Yeah, you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it'll be you, just, not us. Just, just say something like you're a shitty new guy anyway. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that guy over there is sea bass. So I'm glad this is all kicking off for you, uh, Sean, because uh, I've seen at least in the last, I don't know, I want to say six months, that things have really picked up for you. At least it sure seems that way. Yeah, they have. They have. They've they've uh, they've gone. I can't keep up. So that's know, a good thing, I'm, right? That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've known a, um, well, as a matter of fact, we know somebody, uh, the show here that's on the show who was talking about being a veterinarian and, and starting his own company that he's reached the point of which now he starts having to make a decision about which job, you know, is it the, the job that where he's full time all the time at right now, or is it that, that thing that he started out as a hobby, as an entrepreneur that he was hoping was going to grow into it. Now it's consuming most of his time and energy. You know, that's that's that good point where now you have a decision here that maybe do you want your own freedom and be the entrepreneur and take it now to the next level? Because now you've taken it there with the blood, sweat and tears of your free time. Or do you still continue giving it to somebody else and and building that over there? But you can't do both. You've got you're going to have to make a decision. You know, that's awesome. I love hearing that shit, man. I I just that's awesome. Whatever that is like best of luck. Yeah. So. Well, and, and it's hard sometimes, you know, to really start something up. I don't think people really understand how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur. I mean, you end up putting a lot of money and your time into it to make something come of it. What they see is your videos, your success that you have now or perceived success, you know, your logos, your T-shirts, your everything else that, wow, Sean, you know, he's made it. What they don't see is what you went through to get to that point. Yeah, they don't see it. And, um, you know, uh, for for guys like us, you can also tackle it is it's a real it's a pain in the ass being an entrepreneur. You know, I mean, I've never taken a paycheck out of this company. You know, I put everything back into it. But, you know, you take being an entrepreneur and that's hard enough in itself. And then we have to deal with our you know, bullshit from the past. And then on top of that, you have to deal, you know, unfortunately, you have to deal with the hate that you're going to get from the community if oh, you yeah. decide to use your background. And um, you have to make that decision, like, right away. Like, I'm either going to use it and, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fall into the, no, I'm not going to use it and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I won't allow it to bring me success. And, um, 
if you're not going to do that, it's going to be real fucking tough for you, you know, and, and, uh, you have to, and I think it's bullshit, you know, that guys pull that card and, you know, and, and, uh, and say that we eat our own. We talk about that community. Yeah. I mean, we, we're, we're our own worst enemy in that regard, and we're not lifting each other up and helping one another when we're doing that. And in some cases, I don't know what these people feel they gain by it, by the way. Um, you know, I mean, there are guys getting beat up for stolen valor who are true veterans sitting in a bar because they're wearing something where somebody just decides that, well, you must have, you know, you must have stole that. You know, so it's like, what, how do we get to a society where we feel like we have to tear somebody down and challenge them in that way? I don't, I don't understand this, especially our own community. Hey, Robert, I, I'm, I'm a, one of moderators on a forum. I kid you not. I had somebody PM me trying to check on me. Really? <laughs> because, because of um, your, Hey, do you, he's like, Hey, do you know this guy? Look at a shit on his uniform. He's full of it. I'm like, yeah, he's legit. He's, he's good. Yeah, see, that's, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. That's terrible, I, uh, man. Hold on, Gradu- I gotta go to a tab check. Graduation <laughs> last year at West Point, I'm swearing in cadets in my dress blues, and I had a an SF lieutenant colonel stop me, take a picture. He's like, oh, you're going to get it. He's like, no way. No way you're real. I'm like, I'm like hey, sir, I, I'm like, I'm here. I'm on staff. He's like, nope, wow. I'm not buying it. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, just so you know it. That kind of stuff, yeah, it goes on all the time. Uh, Talking about destroying each other. I, I, yeah. I don't get it. If you're an Army, Navy, Marine Corps, whatever, I don't care what team guy, it only takes one sentence or one word to vet another dude. I don't care what service he's in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah it's, but it's very real, you know, on, I, I, and I think it's from all the units, and uh, I, I see it all the time with uh, friends of mine that, you know, have made I have made it big, and and are doing big things and it, you know, it doesn't matter how many people you help or, or try to get out of a funk or it, nobody gives a shit. They just, they just want to rip you down. And, um, yeah. and, and except for the guys that you actually do help. Yeah. And, but, um, well, you, you know, what Sean approach which... is a lot more humble. Sorry. No, it's all right. Go ahead. Or... No, I was just going to say your approach has been very, very humble uh, based on like, you know, what I've seen uh, from you. And I, and I think that that's what makes a lot of our guys that are in the soft community. It, when we're not saying like, oh, man, I won the GWAT like five times and, you know, it, th- th- there are those guys. But like for the most part, like when you're humble about it, man, people, they, they, they gravitate to you. Yeah. And Sean, you just got to you have a unique product. And if you. You know, look at the guys out there, you, you know, Jocko, Pat McNamara. I mean, you look at all those guys out there, and everybody in the community wants to hate and say bad things about them. But there's also dozens and dozens and dozens of guys like us out there who are mediocre, and they suck at it, and they're gone in a year. So the guys that make money at it are successful is, one, because they end up being good businessmen. And two, like any other marketing, they have a unique product to sell. You know, they have a unique angle, whether it's gimmicky or whatever. You know, their slogan, whatever it is, but, you know, people don't lay money down for stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're successful, it's because you came up with something that people want to buy. And that's that's pretty simple marketing. Yeah. Economics anyway. 
Well, and and especially when you're talking about marketing, I mean, you always have to look for what's the hook. You know, what is it that's going to be in it for them or what is it that's going to grab their attention? Good on you for trying to figure out what that was, but also just trying to do it in some natural way. You know, you stumbled there for a bit and and trying to to keep it, you know, take it to another level. And then you realize, hey, I just got to be myself and, you know, that type of thing. And I think that's when I saw, like I was mentioning you know, everything started taking off within the last six months or so, I think is when things went to another level with you. Um, and I, I love watching your success because again, I've watched you over the last year or so really do a lot of mentoring for guys and, and coaching and trying to give them some great advice. I appreciate that. I think that's what all of us are here doing here at Mentors for Military is just trying to give back to the, the community and the people out there that are serving right now or civilians to help them educate them or whatever the case may be. It's that whole thing about giving back. Yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that. And, you know, you guys too, man, like just the name alone that you have just speaks volumes about what you're doing. And, and I mean, it is needed you know, and, uh, it's very needed. I, I see guys coming out all the time that are just struggling bad. And, um, I can tell you, I'm going to be reaching out to you, man, after this, because I want to, I want to glean some of the stuff that you, you know, you learned. And I mean, you've got some incredible things to discuss uh, for sure. Uh, you know, not just here, but like, I mean, the people that, you know, I, I would love to get to know just so that way, you know, I can learn things, learn something new. Cause this, this transition thing is not easy. No, it's not. It's going to probably be the hardest thing you've done. And, uh, but yeah, anytime, man, just reach out and, uh, you know, Uh, And for me, I think it's more so just so that way I can, you know, fit in properly and do it right. Not so much like, you know, I'm going to, I hate the idea of leaving the army. I'm actually very, very happy to leave. I just want to make sure, you know, I'm setting my family and my friends up for success as well as myself, like to do it right and be a good person, I think, because I mean, I know that I can feel like, you know, that tension here and there and you're, and my wife will be like, uh, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, gosh darn it. That was stupid. You're still going to need people like you, Sean, that's been there, done that, had the failures and say, hey, my advice is don't do this. You know, my another guy would say, don't do that. You know, I mean, my advice would be look at your buddies who are out and who do you want to be like and who do you not want to be like and just gravitate to those guys that are doing things that you want to be doing because they will fucking help you, man. They will help you, you know, and, um, and, uh, but if you go down the other, the other route, it's, uh, you're not going to have any fun. Yeah. So Sean, before we let you off of here, why don't you tell us how we can learn more about you? You shared a little bit about your background, how we can learn more about Vigilance Elite and find you on social media and all that kind of good stuff. Well, you can find me on all social media platforms at Vigilance Elite and uh vigilanceelite.com and if you really want to learn more about me the best way would be youtube and that's at vigilance elite yeah i love it same branding all the way across i really appreciate you coming on the show brother and talking with us and sharing your insight and knowledge on your whole career and experiences and stuff i think it's going to be very invaluable for those out there listening oh thank you man thank thank you guys for having me on And, and like i said it's been it's been a real pleasure and and i really appreciate it so cool. what Take you guys care, are doing Sean. is awesome. We'll see you, you down the road, man.